the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Rescuers Radio Show at Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. And my guest today is very special. All the way from Kingman, Arizona, is Bob DeVries, who is the uh, chief of police in uh, Kingman, and he's also uh, heading up a coalition of anti-meth, and we're going to talk about both those subjects coming up. But Bob, welcome to the Rescuers Program. Thank you much uh, for the invitation. Happy to be here. You know, uh, I always like starting off the Rescuers Program, Bob, with uh, with going going into a, a personal a few minutes or so about how you got here. Tell us a little bit about your background. Um, and uh, and that kind of conversation before we go any further. Sure. I actually uh, moved here uh, with our family in 2003. We were born and raised in western Michigan, and um, through many visits and other family members that were out here, we knew this was an area we wanted to be. And uh, in 2003, I put in for the position of chief of police and was fortunate enough to be selected. So moved out here with my family and uh, have never looked back. Right? This is this is our, our home. Nice. I have, My daughter lives, uh, I have a da- the daughter that lives up in Lakeview. You may not know where that is. Lakeview, Michigan. It's not far from Holland. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, small world. So anyway, you've been in uh, law is. enforcement for how many years? Well, I just retired at the end of April after 42 and a half years. Wow. Congratulations. So thank you. Thank you. It was, it was a great career. So, um, I, Bob, I, I got to you in a, in an odd way, but, but in a way it's a God way. And, um, yes. a, a former employee of mine, um, I used to, I was the general manager of KAAA and KZZ radio in Kingman back in the early to late eighties. And, uh, a very critical part of my team in the office was Beverly Lyles. And, uh, it, Absolutely. and unfortunately she passed away in the last few weeks. And in reading her obituary, I, I, I was really hoping I could make it up there uh, Saturday, but I just can't, can't make it. But, um, I, uh, I discovered that, uh, for if anyone wanted to, donate they could donate to the anti-meth coalition which i didn't knew nothing about 
um, I knew something about the problem that we've had in Arizona for a lot of years, actually. Uh, I was uh, in my other life before this radio show in broadcasting. I helped produce a program called Crystal Darkness uh, that aired on every TV station and every radio station in the state, which has never been done in the United States since then. And um, and we had a 100-person call center, and uh, we took uh, two to 3,000 calls within four hours of people that just needed help from all over the state. So tell, let's, let's talk about, uh, I do want to talk about law enforcement with you, and what and how your perception of where it is today, but I also want to talk about uh, the anti meth coalition and, and the issue itself. Sure. Well, I, I can tell you we we actually hosted we being the the King of Police Department hosted a community meeting um, in early two thousand and five, and we we reached out to stakeholders throughout the entire community recognizing the problem we had here with methamphetamine. And we filled our front training room uh, with, with a really a, a great group of people. And, and what we did is we said, you know, what are we doing? Where are our gaps and how can we collectively begin to work together? And that really was the launch of the Kingman Meth Coalition. And uh, it's, it's been a strong group. And as you mentioned, Beverly Lyles, Bev was one of our, our founding members. She was one of our true champions because she recognized how it impacted uh, the business in the community. And Bev was serving as the, the executive director at that time for the Chamber of Commerce. So she was at the table from the very beginning, and uh, we became very good friends um, as we worked uh, to try and have a bigger impact, not just in the community, but in the region here. Well, as you and I were uh, throwing emails uh, back and forth about being on the show, uh, you mentioned to me that someone um, mentioned the, the – the, is it the Mojave County or the Kingman Anti-Meth Coalition? Uh, both are probably correct. But you mentioned to me that it was recognized as one, as one of the state, state's larger uh, coalitions of its kind. Well, it's, it's actually what, what we've had is uh, as we in, in 2005, when we were standing up our coalition, so was Bullhead and uh, Lake Havasu. And what we did is we kind of we formed an umbrella organization called MSTEP, which is a Mojave Substance Treatment Education Prevention Partnership. That organization served as an umbrella uh, for all of the communities because we don't want to be competing against each other. Right. Um, what we were looking for and trying to bring here was treatment options because they were just, they were absent completely. And it didn't matter if it was in Kingman, Bullhead or Havasu, we just knew it needed to come here. And that led to a challenge that evolved between the three communities into a walk away from drugs and seeing who could bring out the largest uh, community involvement to take that stance. And I'm very proud to say that uh, uh, just over a week ago, it would have been our 14th annual walk away from drugs. Wow. Wow. And, and we've, been, we've been told, and I'm extremely proud to say, that Kingman has, uh, has taken the largest participation each and every year. And we've had state officials here, 
federal officials and, and those from across the state have said there's nothing else like it that occurs in the state, and it's the largest uh, prevention and awareness event that they are familiar with. So it crosses over other uh, uh, drug addiction issues instead of just uh, meth? It's just kind of um, working on all fronts? That's a great question because the focus initially was on meth, but really it's evolved into any and all substance abuse uh, that we're trying to, to make a bigger impact. And at the walk away from drugs, we actually have three different starting points and they all end in Centennial Park, one of our large parks uh, in the central city area. And we have uh, displays there of treatment, prevention, uh, providers, uh, a multitude of information. You can get free flu shots. We feed them. Every year we go through over uh, 2,000 hot dogs and drinks. Um, and then we also have a large public safety uh, public service display as well for individuals that can come out. We try to make it a fun-filled evening, yeah. but it's something where if somebody's really looking for information to, to help themselves or a loved one, it's there. Well, and, and one of the one of the issues, if not the issue, that doesn't get talked about a lot uh, it, it does along amongst uh, law enforcement and uh, other other entities along that that those uh, principles, but is that's the issue of where Arizona is located. Uh, we 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 constantly have an issue on the border with drugs coming across or streaming across uh, of all types, and the heroin problem, uh, the meth problem, the opioid problem. And we were we pretty much have a straight line through Arizona to all parts of the country in not a, not so much of a lot of time if you're looking at trafficking. But uh, that that doesn't make the issue any easier, does it? No, absolutely not. And especially our location, too, because we're in such proximity to to, to the Phoenix area, to the L.A. area, to the Las Vegas area mm-hmm. and then being located directly on. 93 and I-40, there's significant trafficking that comes through the region here, and and we recognize it, and our task force is extremely active in in doing interdiction and trying to stop the the drugs, not just from flowing into our community and region, but from further reaching other parts of the United States. But you're absolutely correct. So your background, uh, 42 years of of law enforcement, uh, has really helped you be involved in this. It has, Art, and, and, you know, perhaps a, a different view uh, from that is, and I've recognized it as many law enforcement officials have, that we can't arrest our way out of this situation. Right. Uh, we need to look at it differently and see how we can have a, a, a bigger and more meaningful impact in the community. And one of the things that we did up here that I'm very proud is, as the opioid crisis was unfolding across the country, um, I began to educate myself on the use of uh, Narcan or Naloxone mm-hmm. in, in regards to reversing opioid overdoses. And uh, I came back and uh, from training that I've been at, and I, I, I asked our, our officers, is this something you think you could use on the street? I was very proud of them when they said, absolutely, we yeah. think we can make a difference. Yep. And we, uh, it took us a while to get it going because uh, we literally had to invent the wheel. 
Um, it had never been done in Arizona, and we were the first law enforcement agency to to actually bring the program here and distribute it to our officers for use in the streets. Nice. And I when I retired at the end of April, we were we were approaching uh, a dozen saves that our officers had, had directly been involved in. Well, and now now it's in the hands of uh, all fire departments and police departments, probably right. Yes. Yes. And it was it was interesting because some law enforcement was hesitant, and uh, you may recall when when we went out, we were trying to get others to come on board with us, and they were more of a sit back and watch aspect until uh, Governor Ducey issued his his uh, emergency order and called for eighty five percent of the agencies. We were bombarded with requests for our policy, for our administ- administrative and training guidelines. And uh, we were happy to help others get the program up and running. And I would dare say, uh, literally now, Art, there's hundreds of people that are alive because of the availability of Narcan out there. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I was working for a while um, on a committee with the uh, Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family back then. And uh, Debbie Moak, you might know her, I don't know. But she was running that office. I do. She was running that office, and she was a real... Uh, front-end um, advocate for bringing that on board in all agencies. Yes, and it, it's there now. And, and I really would like to see Narcan. We're, we're working through a project right now up here to get it into every school, to get it into as many businesses as we can, because I'd like to see it become as commonplace in the businesses as AEDs are for cardiac arrest. Mm, yeah. Because in my experience and what I've seen, individuals are overdosing in business parking lots, in their restrooms. Uh, really, this thing has no no boundaries. And the more availability we have out there, the better our chances of saving. And uh, I've heard across the state, and uh, I'm sure others have heard it as well, is why bother? And they're just going to do it again. Mm. Well, they might, and they might not. That might be that one save that makes them take a look yeah. and really seriously question their their direction in life and maybe make that change. And I didn't get into this career to make a, a life or death decision. I got in the career to make a difference and hopefully be able to save some lives. Well, and, you're, and you have and are doing that uh, in your work there. Um, so... You know, there there's so many different uh, areas of drug of drugs uh, on on the market area, and so many reasons that that uh, these coalitions are so so important. Um, have you ever heard of PAL? P A L. No, sir. Um, there's a there's a nonprofit association uh, based in Phoenix called uh, PAL. It's Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. And they were, uh, yes, uh, they're, ver- they're quite critical to family units all over the United States. Uh, they're in like 37 states now, and they have like four, five to 600 groups around the state that meet. So they train the facilitators for these groups in whatever state they may be in to get them started. And, um, and the work they do is just, is just amazing work. And and helping people walk through what it's like uh, to um, when they have a, an addicted one in the family and, and, and the hardships of that and and how to get through all of those struggles. They're, they're quite the association. 
And th those groups are, are critical to, yeah. to helping us with what we need because, you know, a lot of times the focus is on the individual themselves, but uh, you forget about the loved ones that are there and that are really walking through it uh, daily themselves. So I, I want to talk to you a bit about um, about the, the law enforcement side uh, with, with your tenure in in uh, mm -hmm. in the business. Uh, you've seen a lot of change. You've seen a lot of ups and downs, people's perception of law enforcement. What is your take on the, 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 uh, uh, the state of law enforcement right now today? Uh, it's very troubling. Um, what I see right now and, and what is being portrayed, um, there's been a lot of unfortunate incidents in law enforcement in my, in my tenure, um, has taken some hits, some deserved, some undeserved, but uh, nonetheless, I think what we're what we're seeing out there, from my perspective and my opinion, is that uh, well, there's some agencies out there that have lost touch with their communities, and uh, when you do that, um, you lose that that trust. And I've always told our officers, the one thing we can never afford to lose is the community trust, because that's all we have that truly makes us effective in the community. That's, and, that's uh, the very you know, backbone. I hear them calling for, pardon? That's the very backbone of law enforcement. Is it, it, it is. Yeah. And when I hear them calling for police reform, um, I, I would agree with some of those calls. And, and I, I'm very proud that the state of Arizona has taken some some great strides in that direction. Um, with the development, the Chiefs Association here in our state developed a state accreditation program. And um, our, our department, along with Marana PD and the University of Arizona, were the first three agencies in the state to achieve and receive statewide accreditation. And what that means is your agency is following and practicing best case uh, policies, as well as meeting national standards. And it's, it's not just having policies in place, but it's a matter of are you actually practicing them and putting them into use. So, um, And from what I understand, that program is growing exponentially, Good. and I think that speaks to the, the caliber of law enforcement in our state. I agree. Uh, I've, had, uh, I've had several uh, rescuers programs with law enforcement. I've had uh, a Phoenix commander here. I've had the head of DPS here. I've had uh, Northern Arizona, uh, Arizona, Northern Arizona University has a, judici a judici, uh, judicial program for students to learn the judicial process, uh, law enforcement, and all of the uh, all of the surrounding uh, pieces in that. Um, and I had the head of that uh, that group uh, in in for a, uh, a show and. They all, they're talking very positive right now in spite of the of what we're hearing around the world or around the country and around the communities. Uh, there are young adults that are interested in careers in law enforcement right now. And they're interested yes. because they're learning what they didn't know. They didn't know that they were uh, assigned to take care of the community first. And and those kinds of things that are well known within the industry, but they didn't know that they were never taught that. And uh, and once they have that, they do a double take and say, wow, 
I, I kind of want to be a part of that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we're not looking for, for brawn. We're looking for problem solvers. Yes. We're looking for people that, that can go out and actually you know, immerse themselves in the community and, and truly be a part of the community because um, that, to me, is what builds the best uh, law enforcement uh, for anyone. So law enforcement at any level, small town, county sheriff's offices, large large metropolitan areas, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. They're all dealing with the same issues. And uh and on and and on different scales i guess and different budgets but but the 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 wave is all the same uh they they have to deal with with what's out there and covid hasn't helped has it bob because the spikes are are not only about drug uh, addiction rates but domestic violence has gone through the roof Violence uh, across the board and mental health issues as well. Um, our, our mental health services, our treatment providers right now are just, they're, they're overrun. The isolation that many people uh, have experienced um, is taking its toll on individuals. And um, it's going to take us quite a while to come back out from under this. Well, and when a law officer uh, goes to the door of a domestic violence call, does not know what's behind that door until it opens. Absolutely. And we had a Phoenix police officer, a commander, killed uh, just during the era era of COVID here in in Arizona. And because of that, a guy had a gun and waiting for the door to open and and fired. So uh, people need to wake up and see what what is dealt with on every not every day but on every single call right yes it's it's a difficult job and covid has taken that difficulty to a whole new level yes absolutely and it doesn't help in the in the drug issue it doesn't help in the general crime issue uh thank goodness arizona hasn't had a, a a major problem with the protesting and and the looting and, and everything that's going on with that. But um, uh, you look around at other metropolitan areas, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing about some officers are taking early retirements. Uh, they don't want to do it anymore. But uh, people like you that have the, a different view and a different commitment, you can, you can uh, it, it's, all, it's all reflective. Uh, goes, all it goes go back to how... Um, police officers and law law enforcement agencies, their attitude towards serving community first, I think, has to be the, the rule, right? I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, uh, we're public servants from the, the minute you begin the career to the minute you go out the door. And in every part of, every part of the uh, the community is affected by, by that. And, and there, it's just ridiculous. Um, I don't like throwing my own opinion into the program. That's not what it's about. But defunding, <laughs> I mean, who wins in that? Mm-hmm. Nobody. The, those with ill intent are the only ones that are going <laughs> to win in that solution. I and, know. Uh, you know, th- that just, uh, when I hear those things and, and I think of the individuals that, that rely upon us, and, and I'm, I'm very proud here when I talk to our officers and, and when I see them and, and I, and I tell you, I, I, I miss 
the interaction with them all the time because they're truly were a great group of people. And I hear the, the, it, they're constant people dropping off things to the department, uh, refreshments, cookies, all this kind of stuff, nice. just to show the appreciation. Absolutely. And, and that I think speaks volumes. Absolutely. So, um, we've got a couple of minutes left here, but, um, I, I do you know, uh, Dave Hawkins, by the way, <laughs> I know Dave very well. Well, I hired Dave in 1983. <laughs> so tell him he's still going strong and I know. extremely well respected. I know. So Linda Miller was my office manager. Bev Lyles was my traffic director. And, uh, and I hired Dave Hawkins in 1983 for the, in the news department. And, um, <laughs> I just, I just love all those people and I'm going to miss Beverly a lot. Uh, cause she meant a lot to not only to the people at the stations, but a lot to the community with the Kingman area chamber of commerce, obviously. But I, in our last minute uh, and a half here, Bob, um, you know, everybody's dealt with COVID it's, it's affected, uh, everybody in different ways. It's affected law enforcement in different ways. And there's going to be a lot of stories. What's your story going to be at the end of COVID? I think the what's going to be our story when I look at the walk away from drugs is that it didn't go away. We found a different way to do it. Yeah. And uh, this year there was more digital participation than there was actually the the large groups uh, of individuals walking. So it, it's whatever challenge you face, look at alternatives, look at other ways that you can do things and, and hopefully continue to be able to make that difference. And I believe we found it. And I, I don't know that that's the way it's going to stay. We hope to be able to get back to the large group, but um, don't let it stop yeah. you from trying to have that impact. Amen, Bob. Bob, thank you for being on the Rescuers Show today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Rescuers Radio Show is listen is on uh, Faith Talk thirteen sixty and Faith Talk thirteen sixty dot com can also be reached in podcast form in Spotify, Instagram, and Facebook. Rescuers Radio Show. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM.